This portion of the Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by ReggieAshworth.com, publishers of such apps as AppDelete. You know, AppDelete is the best way to remove or uninstall apps, plugins, widgets, and so on from your Mac. You don't have to worry about finding all those pesky files some of those apps install around your Mac because AppDelete does it for you. Check ReggieAshworth.com. That's ReggieAshworth.com to download your copy of AppDelete. On the Tech Night Out Live this week, we are going to focus on, guess what? Mountain Lion, Mac 10.8, and lots more. We'll have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at LoopInsight.com. We'll have Kirk McElhern. We'll have Sean Captain of TechNewsDaily.com. And lots more on the Tech Night Out Live. With lots of insight, we have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at LoopInsight.com. And we're going to take a journey first before we talk with Jim. Back to the past, back to the Mac OS X public beta. A couple of weeks before that, I was summoned to CNET headquarters where I was a contributing writer, and I was given a demonstration by someone from Apple. And they gave me a copy of the public beta. That's how it happened. Now, that's the first time and the last time that the press got an advanced view of a Mac OS except for a few reporters who would see the final version maybe a week earlier, like that guy from the New York Times and that other guy from the Wall Street Journal or someone from Time Magazine. Otherwise, you'd get your copy the day it was released, even if you were in the media. That's the way it worked. Except that Apple went back through time, Jim Dalrymple, and now with 10.8 or Mountain Lion, they're kind of doing it the way they did it with the OS X public beta. Explain. I went down to New York and met with Apple uh, a week before Mountain Lion was officially um, released as a public beta. Now, that's the point I might emphasize here. You didn't just get something in the mail. You had to physically travel to a centralized location where Apple would have people to brief you. Yeah, it was kind of like... Uh, a one-on-one keynote. It was uh, really nice to be able to sit there and talk to them about the release and talk to them about where everything is going. Now, without the specifics, who did you see? There were a couple of PR people and there were a couple of Apple execs. But you can't name them? No. no. Okay. High up, high muckety-mucks. Yeah. Okay. So they gave you a briefing. This is kind of like the briefing we'd get after Apple releases a new product, where you'd meet them at a Macworld Expo or something. So it was basically the PR people, the Apple executives, and they had a MacBook Air or something to demonstrate Mountain Lion. Exactly. Yeah. And we uh, we walked through all of the new features and you know what those meant for Mountain Lion and what users, what they meant for users. And, you know, you have to keep in mind that this is an early beta of the OS. Uh, so new features could be added. Uh, you know, some stuff could be changed. You, you never know what's going to end up in the final release. Now, before we go into the features, as 
a beta version. How solid is it? What's missing? Well, <laughs> there's nothing that I can see that's missing. Uh, this is I, I've had betas for every OS X uh, since the first, and this is so stable. I've been running it since the day I, I left Apple. Um, I've been running it as my main system, and it has not crashed, not once. Now, that's an interesting point here. You're running it as your main system. Now, is it slower than Lion? No, actually, uh, in, in a lot of things, it's actually faster. And I'm running it on a, a MacBook Air 13-inch. This is the um, one you got from Apple? Yes. Okay. Now, does Apple have any problem with you installing it on anything else? Do you have an installer to actually bring it to another computer? Well, now the developer release is out. So, you know, I can install it wherever I want. Okay. So it's very stable. Uh, things like, you know, to bring up the notification center, you actually swipe right to left with two fingers, and you, you start off of the trackpad and swipe across. Okay, so this is kind of an angle of the way you do it on the iOS where you swipe up and down. Right. Okay. Right. So, you know, you just kind of swipe, and the notification center comes up. Now, and, we have to explain here, notification exactly. center. If you got a recent iPad or an iPhone using iOS 5, the notification center there puts a either a sheet of notifications or individual notifications appear on the top of the page or the top of the screen. Here, how has it changed for a desktop? Well, for the desktop, I mean, they right now, because it's a beta, they have certain apps that, uh, that are in the notification center, like mail and calendaring and, you know, things like that. So... That is what you can have in there now. There are developer APIs and things that developers will be able to use to, to add Notification Center to their apps. But, you know, you just swipe, you, you see, oh, here's an email that I might need. And Does it show up on the screen and then disappear? How's the methodology? Yeah, do you like, always have to bring that sheet out, or does it just show up? No, there's, there's kind of like a, um, a, a growl notification uh, that shows up. So a little tiny sheet in the top right-hand corner will pop up with the, the name of the email that you got or the appointment that's coming up, and you can see it, and then it'll disappear in a few seconds. So you can either click on that and go to the mail message, or you can swipe and open up the notification center and click from there. And the reason that this is so good is because you see in your mail, for instance, that you just got five new mails. Well, you know, you could be writing, you're researching something, and you don't necessarily want to go, but, you know, when you see them there, you want to go see what they are in case they're important. Well, with Notification Center, if, even if you happen to miss the little uh, notifications that pop up in the corner, you can just really quickly swipe over, take a look and say, no, none of those are important, and keep going. You now, this is interesting here. I should point out that there has been an application on the Mac for a long time, it's open source, called Growl, that puts up little notifications in different applications if they support it. And that way you see this same methodology, which is the white type on the black background. But also, other programs have had different ways of notifying you. Like, for example, if you're a user of Microsoft Entourage and now Outlook, they would put up little notices of email if you selected that option. Right. Right. And, you know, now it's just built into the system. You know, Apple has all of its apps available for Notification Center. So, like I said, the calendars and reminders and things like that. If I was so, the guy who developed Grow, and he's been interviewed about this, would I worry about this thinking, you know, well, it's open source, so maybe he's not making money from it. 
But the point being here, would I worry that over time, when a lot of apps are updated to support this notification scheme, that I'm going to see Growl just disappear? Well, it's happened to other apps and features before. There was a search app a long time ago that uh, was called Watson, and Apple released Sherlock. And, you know, Watson was no more, and Apple, you know, kind of brought that all into the to spotlight. So basically, you know, here, that, the theory is that Growl would be Sherlocked. Well, yeah, that, I think that's what, that's what could happen. Whether it will or not depends on uh, developers and depends on how much it's being used. Uh, you know, I've used Growl off and on, but, you know, with the notification center, I really don't need it because everything that I want a notification on is in notification center. And I'm assuming that's only going to grow once it's actually released and developers can start uh, putting their apps in there. Now, the other question so, is here, does it stop Growl from working or is it so totally separate you can have both? I would imagine you could have both. I don't see why not. I don't have Growl installed on the... Uh, on the MacBook Air that I'm testing Mountain Lion on, though. Okay. By the so way, I, I want to remind our listeners that this portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by ReggieAshworth.com, publishers of such apps as VidConvert. You know, VidConvert makes it easy for you to convert audio and video files. It's as easy as drag and drop to set up VidConvert to change the file to the most popular audio and video format. That'll work great on your Mac, your iPhone, your iPad, and other gadgets. For more, check ReggieAshworth.com. ReggieAshworth.com to download your copy of VidConvert. More with Jim Dalrymple from the Loop at LoopInsight.com on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash T-N-O. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Take charge of your health. Get all natural, innovative health products from the newaffinityhealthproducts.com. From weight loss to cold and flu remedies to better joint function, discover natural products you can trust online at affinityhealthproducts.com. Like losing snooze. Fact is, 90% of all diets fail. Why not try a completely new way of dieting? With losing snooze, you can achieve weight loss while you sleep. Guaranteed. Reduce caloric intake, get a deep restorative sleep, build lean muscle mass, and keep your metabolic rate up to burn fat throughout the night and day with all-natural lose and snooze from AffinityHealthProducts.com. 
Include the one-day diet for a complete weight loss package. Order Lose and Snooze and the one-day diet and other all-natural products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. Spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call 877-888-7126. That's 877-888-7126. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. This episode of the Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you in part by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Audible.com. And now, on with the show. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com on the Tech Night Owl Live. We're focusing this week almost entirely on Mac OS X Mountain Lion. We started the coverage last week with Bob Dr. Maclevitis because we had already done some really nice segments of the show before Apple unleashed its latest cat. Now, Jim, the conventional wisdom, and with Apple, conventional wisdom is always turned on its ear, had it that we're going to see OS upgrades every couple of years. Yeah. And suddenly we see that approximately, give or take a few weeks, a year after Lion arrived, we have Mountain Lion, and some are saying, you know what, Apple did this because they want to get a further leg up on Microsoft, which is busy integrating its desktop and mobile operating systems. What do you think? Uh, I don't think that that has anything to do with it. I mean, Apple doesn't do anything based on its competition. You know, they don't release new phones or new tablets or new OSs. I think that Mountain Lion was planned long in advance and planned because of what the company is doing with iOS and the integration that it wants to bring between the two of them. I think it's it's very simple, the, the timing and the reasoning. You know, Microsoft has been, been stumbling around tablet OSs now for a decade and, and can't get anything right with it. So, um, you know, if Apple waited till Microsoft was on the verge of releasing something that was worthwhile, they would probably be many years before they released another OS. It'd be the end of the 21st century. And, and the thing I wonder about Windows 8, and I've used it, and I still don't understand this tile interface. Now, imagine just these physical tiles, and basically there are little banners 
And the banners are almost always dark colored with light type, which, of course, is the worst in terms of rehability. Now, for example, a lot of them are green. You have this middle green with white type. Now, imagine if you're a web designer and you see a web page and you make it this kind of light middle green and all the text is white. And tell me if that's readable easily. You have thin lettering, not even thick, bold lettering. So basically, they have something that really can't be read unless you really look at it. And you have this overlay for the operating system. You think, you know, do you need to have a whole new operating system version for a custom theme? Can't that be done with some kind of add-on? I mean, we used to do that on a Mac. You'd have custom add-ons. You could make it anything you wanted. So what's so great about that? So I don't understand what are the features of Windows 8 that I care about. Well, I think that's a very good question, and it's certainly something that that I can't answer for you because I just don't know. I don't know. Now, I will admit when when Windows 8 uh, Developer Preview, the very first one came out, I downloaded it and installed it in uh, Parallels. And I can see where they want to go. I just don't think that they're getting there from everything that I've seen and heard of uh, of uh, developer Windows 8 developer versions. Um, it just seems confused, and I haven't downloaded one since then, so I don't know. But I do know people that have and and have installed it, and it seems pretty much the same. And the, the thing I noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you click beneath. Metro, which is like a launcher kind of interface, okay? It's like a launcher. It's a launching dock of other features of the operating system or applications or news or links or whatever. You click beneath that, it still looks like Windows. Yeah. You don't see any real differences. So other than this, oh, I hate this pun, window dressing, what else is there? Is that all there is, like the song said? Well, I, it, it almost seems like that's all there is. I mean, if there's more... I don't know what it is. So Microsoft is making this big splash, but you ask people, and that's another point, too. You ask people, okay, forget about Metro for a moment, which is basically copied from Windows Phone, from the Zune. All these places had operating systems or products that failed. Windows Phone hasn't succeeded yet. It's still an abject failure. Even the Nokia product doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere. And then we have the Zoom, which certainly didn't go anywhere. So Microsoft takes the interface of something that didn't work and puts it on their desktop operating system. Tell me the logic of that. I can't understand it. <laughs> well, I certainly can't explain the logic to that. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, but, you know, Apple has, what, they're, they're almost at 25 billion apps downloaded on their, on their mobile OS app store. Uh, Microsoft is just getting started. They have no apps. And it seems that Microsoft is, is trying to shoehorn a, a desktop OS into a mobile device and telling people that that's the best way. When it, it's obvious why they're doing it. They're doing it because they don't have any apps for the mobile OS. So you take Apple's approach of using the core of Mac OS X, to create iOS. So you have a very stable core and you build a, a touch-enabled operating system specifically for tablets and phones. And then you, you get a developer community to build millions and millions of applications. And there you have it. There is the difference between Microsoft and Apple. Apple has proven 
uh, over the past four or five years that their way is successful. And Microsoft has proven over the past decade that theirs isn't. So who do you think is going to come out on top? You know, one, one of the things that kind of bothers me, too, of course, is they talk about integration. But Microsoft has the same problem Apple has had, only Apple has solved it several times, which is moving an operating system to a different platform. But even when you do that, then the apps have to come over. So right now, for example, apps created for Windows 8 desktop are not going to work on Windows 8 tablet because it's for a different processor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's kind of crazy. It really is. But, you know, this is, uh, this is what Microsoft thinks that it has to do. And, you know, there may be a good argument that this is what they have to do. Because, they, you know, without apps, who's going to buy um, a device? People are trained now, thanks to Apple, that, yeah, we need, we need apps. And, you know, the web is great, but Apple has trained people that apps are where it's at. So at this point, Microsoft can't go anywhere until there are apps for their tablet operating system. And I guess they're going to have to figure a way to get Office over there, aren't they? Well, see, and that's the whole thing. Is that what people want to do on a tablet? I don't think so. I mean, that's what that's what people are used to doing on old Microsoft tablets. Microsoft has always tried to pull over the entire OS so that you could use the applications. That's, that's not the way that people want it to work. And I, I think that's clear because Apple is so successful in what they've been doing. You know what's successful? It's having Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com joining us. We'll be back with more on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah. I'm, I'm very upfront about what I do, and, and and if you have an issue with it, we'll we'll deal with it. But I don't have to hide it because I'm not committing a crime. On the other hand, it wouldn't hurt to have a hidden camera on you in addition to an open camera. A backup. Uh, so if they take your your big camera, right. you still have something it, it, rolling. It wouldn't hurt to have one of those clip-on cameras that right. the cops are using. They're they're Vivu, they're V I E V U. Google that and get you know Sean. Um, Sean from L.A. uses that. Sean Nee, he's a photo activist. He uses the GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey, the 
most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit MoseyPro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y Pro.com. Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly sleep apnea expert who will answer all of your questions mention this ad for free shipping again that's cpap.com cpap.com cpap your money your treatment your choice live with gene steinberg it's the tech night owl because you never know what's going to happen next We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You are in the Tech Night Owl Live. We're focusing on Mac Mountain Lion, and Apple has taken the word Mac off the official product name. It's not called Mac OS X. It's called OS X. And if Powerful forces are trying to destroy your health. It's a fact that we're surrounded by a sea of environmental toxins, from mercury and vaccines and dental fillings, to aluminum and chemtrails, to pesticides and toxic chemicals sprayed all over our food. Even nuclear radiation, which is still spewing out of Fukushima, has contaminated the water and food supply in the U.S. But there is a solution. Liquid Zeolite is an extraordinary natural formula, which safely and effectively removes all kinds of toxins from the body, including capturing heavy metals pesticides, viruses, and radioactive particles. Use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com for fatigue, headaches, digestion, memory loss, influenza, and joint pain. Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee and is available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. 100% safe, 100% amazing. Try Liquid Zeolite today. Get over 6,000 preparedness items. Get you ready. That's what you'll find at GetReadySurvival.com. Over 6,000 preparedness items. And counting. Because we're adding new items nearly every day. GetReadySurvival.com has it all. Small and family-sized tents, backpacks, sleeping bags, food supplies. Get yours at GetReadySurvival.com. Portable water filters, canteens and hydro packs, knives, axes, shovels, compasses, camouflage and tactical gear, fire starters and ammunition. It's all at GetReadySurvival.com. 
GetReadyMedical.com. How about first aid medical, emergency, or small personal survival kits? Get yours at GetReadySurvival.com. If you are not prepared or just semi-prepared, the place to get prepared now is GetReadySurvival.com. Got questions? Call 928-541-9723. That's 928-541-9723. Or go to GetReadySurvival.com. And remember, survival preparedness means living on your own terms. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You are in the Tech Night Owl Live. We're focusing on Mac mountain lion and apple has taken the word mac off the official product name it's not called mac os 10 it's called os 10 and if you look at the public relations information that's been published they don't call it os 10.8 although that's the version number they call it just mountain lion so why the change apple has uh, now uh, quite a history of of simplifying things years ago they took off computer from it was apple computer inc now it's just apple inc because apple's more than just a computer company it used to be iphone os and now it's just ios because it's more than the iphone it's the ipod touch it's the ipad apple tv as well you know there there are many devices that run ios so it makes sense to take uh, you know follow that naming tradition and take mac off of os 10 people know the mac os based on what used to be code names when they release OS 10 releases, they were always called, you know, Tiger, Puma, uh, Jaguar, you know, all of these different things. Well, now they're just adopting those names and making that the operating system name. So the only time that you'll ever see an actual version number is when you need to update the the OS. So if you'll you'll see that there's an update to 10.8.1. And that's that's it. Otherwise, it's just mountain lion. And, you know, it's a simplified way to do things. And looking at if it's simplified, that's a typical Apple way of doing things. Now, looking over mountain lion, we see the features which predominantly are moving things, features, apps from an iPad to the Mac. It's the iPadification of the Mac. And most of it makes sense. It's just a unification. You might as well have the apps look the same. So, therefore, iChat becomes messages. Therefore, address book becomes contacts. This way it's simple. You know, okay, that's the repository for the people who I want to be in touch with. This all makes sense, having the same apps. Other than that, other than these eight or nine features that are so consistent, what else is new and different about Mountain Lion? You know, it's it's important to say that Apple is not making OS 10 more like iOS. The reason that they're bringing these features over to OS 10 is to bring a level of familiarity with OS 10. So people coming from an iPhone or an iPad will will log into OS 10 and say, "Oh, there's notes and reminders and all of my stuff is synced between 
all of my devices. So any notes that you had on your iPhone will automatically show up on your Mac and vice versa. So it's, it's about bringing the data closer and so that people can use their data. Some people have made the mistake of, of saying that OS X is being iOSified, and that's not the case. That's not the case at all. In bringing over some of those apps, I mean, Notification Center works beautifully on a Mac desktop the way that they have it set up, but it's it's not the same Notification Center that's on iOS. So just to clear that up first, but those are the main features that Apple has talked about and that reviewers have talked about, but there's a lot of other things in, in Mountain Lion that, you know, just kind of get skipped over because of all of these main features that are there. Okay, so why don't you go through a very few things in this segment and the next one about the features that aren't getting the publicity because they're not just strictly things taken from the iOS in terms of the look and feel. Okay, so it's just some some small things. Um, one that that has to be mentioned uh, is is Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper is is a way f- to protect users from malicious software malware. So when you install uh, an application that has malware, it, it puts in, you know, all kinds of nasty things that make your computer not work well and communicates outside of your network. So they have something that, uh, a gatekeeper that you can say only install apps downloaded from the Mac App Store, which is a great way to protect people. Except if um, you're running apps that aren't in the Mac App Store. And that's right. what developers might be afraid about. What is the default? Because I've heard a couple of tales. I have it installed on a 2010 MacBook Pro. And it was set by default for all apps. But I've heard other people say, no, the normal default is all apps is not checked, but the one in the middle, which is the Mac App Store and developers who have an Apple ID certificate. Right. That's what mine was. By default, mine was the middle one. So you have three levels, only the Mac App Store, which means that you can only install apps from the Mac App Store. You can install apps. All developers, as of Mountain Lion, are going to be given a developer ID that they sign their apps with. So Mountain Lion will know when you try to install an app, oh, this is a signed app from a, from a recognized developer. This is okay. So it'll let you install that one. So that means that you can go to a third-party site, a developer site, download their app and install it. And it'll be fine because they've signed it. And, and that gives Apple a way to, to track things, too. If there is a malicious app and it's signed by the developer, they know who to go to. Now, this requires, therefore, a constant Internet communication because when you launch the app the first time, which is, I guess, when the gatekeeper is checked, it's got to go back and ping Apple's database one of their servers to determine that it has a valid certificate. I assume that's correct because that's the only way it could possibly work, right? I don't know how that works. I I can't imagine that you would have to be online all the time to make that. uh, I'm thinking of first launch. No, maybe, maybe. But the developer certificate, if it's there, uh, then somehow Mountain Lion must recognize it. I mean, if you're on an airplane and you would download uh, an app, you would have to be able to install it uh, even without an internet connection. Well, the other possibility here is that Apple is now sending updates every day on a malware database of so-called bogus apps like the Mac Defender app, which was a fake virus detection program. So maybe what Apple would be doing would be to every day or as soon as you're online, 
feed you the database of stuff that is bogus. So then you get the update, but it may be possible that you'll be launching this application that may be a problem from an app developer whose certificate has been revoked, but you haven't gotten the message yet. Your Mac hasn't gotten the message because it hasn't communicated with this database. Well, I I don't know if that's how it would work or not, because if a developer signs an app, then that's basically enough. Yeah, but at some point, what if that developer's product is shown to have malware? Apple's going to revoke the certificate. So at what point do you know, does your Mac know, this certificate on this app has been revoked, and therefore you launch it the first time, and no, you can't use it anymore? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Of course, you can also bypass it just by a control click on you can the bypass, app icon. Yeah, right. Of course, there's manual ways to get around it, too. Sure. They don't want to make it so that you can never install something that you may want to, um, but they try and make it uh, safe for you. I guess the question developers are going to be having here is, is this just another way to push them into the Mac App Store? You know, listen, you don't have to worry about all this or checking boxes by default. You'll always be able to run apps if they're in the Mac App Store. So get your app in there. But then, of course, the problem with that is that that some apps cannot go in there because they have certain requirements for installation or they plug into certain system resources that Apple does not allow. Well, I don't think that... uh America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. The Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, such as Steve Jobs, the best-selling biography from Walter Isaacson. For that free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash owl. That's audiblepodcast.com slash owl. Remoter is your ultimate screen sharing app for your Mac. With Remoter, you can share the screen of a Mac or any VNC-enabled machine, even Windows and Linux. You can do all this and more with Remoter, the easy way to share screens on your computer. Remoter is just $10.99, but wait. Go to store.remoterlabs.com. That's store.remoterlabs.com. Use the coupon code TNO to get 20% off. That's TNO to get 20% off. These are strange days indeed, from economic turmoil to weather-related events, and yes, even power outages. Hi everybody, Jason Lewis here. Let me tell you why I use WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com provides the most affordable and complete ready-made meals for emergency preparedness and outdoor use. Their entrees like pasta Alfredo, savory stroganoff, and apple cinnamon cereal carry a 25-year shelf life and are prepared in minutes simply by adding water. They even provide great-tasting a la carte items like freeze-dried fruits, vegetables, and desserts to ensure that you have more nutrition and energy when you need it most. Visit wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample and see for yourself why they are the best in the business. For a limited time, enter the promo code LEWIS to get no-cost shipping on any order. That's wisefoodstorage.com or call 1-855-FOODWISE and be sure to mention the promo code LEWIS for a free sample and free shipping on any order. Be wise and be ready with wisefoodstorage.com. 
2012 is finally here. And while the government racks up another $1 trillion in debt, the IRS is hard at work collecting. In fact, they're even sending agents to some people's homes in place of business. If you owe back taxes, have years of unfiled tax returns, or are receiving threatening letters or phone calls, call the tax division of the law offices of Craig Zimmerman at 800-652-6978. Our tax division is spearheaded by a former IRS agent with over 31 years experience. He knows the ins and outs of the IRS and how to get them off your back once and for all. The phone call is free and so is the consultation. So call now. 800-652-6978. That's 800-652-6978. Don't wait for agents to knock on your door. Call 800-652-6978 or visit us on the web at www.craigzlaw.com. You'll be glad you did. Extend your life with Extendovite. is a seven-herb heart protection cocktail designed to support cardiovascular health, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. February is Heart Month, and we at Heart Drop 2000 are having our leap year sale with prices from five years ago. From February 1st to February 29th, you can purchase a four-month supply of either capsules or liquid for only $125, including shipping and handling, to help you help yourself. So call now to take advantage of this one-time offer. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. With the Tech Night Owl Live, we're talking to... Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com. He has insights because he had that briefing, one of the few who had a briefing with Apple to get a pre-release version of Mountain Lion to see how it works. He says he could use it as his daily operating system, even though it's still a few months from being finished. Okay, so Gatekeeper, we understand how that works, and we could hope, of course, that it won't be so difficult that app developers will still be able to work outside of the Mac App Store and all that. What else do we see that Mountain Lion is doing? Well, there there are smaller features in Mountain Lion, like um, in Mail, for instance. You have now have a, a VIP tag. So if I get messages from my wife and I always want to know when those messages come in, I can tag her as a VIP. So that from then on, any messages that come in, um, you know, you can you can be alerted and, and through notification, uh, you know that that's an important email and it's one that you have to read. So that's nice. Uh, the fact that uh, RSS and notes are gone from mail, which I don't think really made sense because you have the notes app now, that's a good thing too. So that was stripped out of mail. Right now, Safari is missing the RSS button. You know, when you go to a website and there was... Uh, up in the the address bar, there was an RSS links where you could automatically identify RSS links from a particular site, the site you were on, and subscribe to those. That's gone now. 
um, and the RSS button in the preferences is gone. So that's a little bit different. I, I don't know if that'll come back or how you're supposed to do that now, but I kind of like that feature myself. I think it's confusing not to have it in the browser, and I kind of yeah. think either Apple is going to have to bring it back or bring it back in a different way. Reader is still there, but RSS isn't. And Reader doesn't give you the RSS. It's not something that you can bring up the page and click Reader and bring it up, is it? No. Mm. No, so that's, uh, you know, that's just one thing that's different. But again, it's very early. Now, so one of the things that's very interesting here is that the iOS has become a huge, a huge gaming platform. I mean, yeah. those who make dedicated gaming hardware are basically freaking over how the business has changed since the iOS and the iPhone and the iPad came out. Now, of course, with AirPlay mirroring on these devices, you get an Apple TV, you could run your stuff on your TV set and play your games using, of course, your iPad as a gaming console or your iPhone. Okay, now you have Game Center coming to Mountain Lions, so this is the way that you bring that experience across to Mac users. Right, right, and... The the great thing about um, about Game Center is that you can play against people that are using their iPad. You don't have to play against somebody that's using a Mac. So you can have a Mac and iPad or a Mac and an iPhone and and play against those people, which is I think just great. You know that that's pretty amazing. Now the other consideration we have here is that. Up till now, the Mac itself hasn't attracted as many games. Obviously, near as many games as Windows. So now right. that we have the situation here, you have the integration of the Game Center with the iOS. Are the big publishers who bring out iOS games going to want to go to the Mac because it just makes sense? That's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know how much code goes into... Uh, a Mac game as opposed to uh, an iOS game. You know, they're both written using Xcode, but I'm not sure of the uh, of the number of, of, of or the amount of time that it would take to bring one over to the other. I I think that uh, I, I think that they it would be quite difficult. You know, to to do that, it's probably easier to strip a game down and bring it to iOS than it is to. You know, bulk it up and bring it to to the Mac. I understand that the graphic subsystem, the OpenGL and all this other stuff, that's going to be more unified now too. So, isn't that going to help with games? It very well could, yeah. So, yeah, it very well could. I mean, you know, we could be seeing some uh, a, a big push, but you know, with uh, with mirroring and things like that, it's going to be a, a big push as it is because you're going to be able to do so much. Well, I think just as a matter of course, game developers are going to want to make the trip, but we have to see also whether Apple's going to do anything in their development environment to make it easier to bring games over from the iOS to the Mac. Yeah. I mean, there, there's still a lot of questions. You know, clearly there's, there's a lot of questions and a lot of things that people want to see and... and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Apple responds to it all. Now, obviously, we're not quoting what Apple said to you during the briefing. We kind of know. But overall, are there things, questions that you still have that either Mountain Lion or any other information you might have acquired doesn't answer 
What are the unknowns, the unknowables so far about mountain lion? Well, we don't know the price. Uh, you know, the um, lion sold for $29 as an upgrade. Uh, we don't know how much mountain lion is going to be, although, you know, we could assume that it's going to be about the same. Um, so that's an unknown. We do know that it's going to be an app store only uh, download. So, you know, they're going to, anybody that wants it's going to have to go to the app store to get it. Uh, so that's, uh, that's one thing. We, well, I mean, it's safe to say we don't know everything that Mountain Lion is going to have when it comes out. They call 100-plus new features. And yeah. we didn't know all the new features of Lion until Apple listed them very shortly before the thing came out. So right. now we're in February. We have anywhere from four to six months before Mountain Lion is available. A lot of time for changes or additions. I think one commentator was saying, would it be possible to have, for example, Siri on Mountain Lion? Would it make sense to bring it over? And this fact, that came from Macworld Magazine, friend of ours, Lex Friedman. You probably know Lex. I do. That, sure. So he was suggesting how it might work. Do you think that makes sense? For Siri? Yeah. I, see, I don't know. I, I actually linked to, uh, to Lex's article um, about Siri. And the thing that bothers me about uh, voice on the desktop is that I think you can do things faster with your mouse and keyboard than you could with Siri. You know, uh, let's say, for instance, I mean, Lex was bringing up um, making an appointment. You could just call up Siri and make an appointment. But if I get an email and want to make an appointment, Apple has data detectors in there where you can just create an appointment, and it takes all the relevant information. So it's basically one click, and then you press OK. Siri can't do that quicker than I can with a mouse. Now, Siri for um, some disabilities would be great. I'm, I'm sure that that would be great. But for me, I don't know if I would use it. I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't. Well, I'm not a big voice thing, and I also have to think in a, an environment where you have a lot of people present, especially in an office that has Macs, and more and more offices do have Macs. You'd have to think, well, you can't have everybody talking to their computer because it's going to be a disturbing mess. I mean, <laughs> imagine somebody comes to the reception desk and checks in, and you have the receptionist talking to the Mac. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know if that would work or not. I mean, like I said, for for some other people, I can I can see that it might be a, a a help, but not for me. Not if I can do it faster, like I do now. Now, now I have one other question because we have only a minute or two, and it's a fast question. We have developers who now, like Microsoft and Adobe, still haven't produced Lion-savvy versions of their stuff. Now Apple's got Mountain Lion. So what do you think these developers must think, that they've been working online and now they've got to start again? Well, we don't know that you know, the requirements are going to be much different. Well, Apple's adding all these extra APIs, of course. Yeah, I mean, there are other APIs, but typically those APIs... Um, are um, they're for extra functionality. So if a developer is working on something now, I mean, it's not for sure that everything that they've done is garbage and they'll have to start over. I mean, they could 
finish off what they're doing and it'll work in lion and mountain lion. Those are the, the developer questions that, you know, those guys will, will need to answer. Well, we want to ask you one more question. Where do we find more of the stuff that Jim Dalrymple delves in? You can find me at uh, loopinsight.com or at J Dalrymple on Twitter. J Dalrymple on Twitter. And send him nice messages in those 140 characters. <laughs> and he's our favorite character from Nova Scotia. <laughs> Jim Dalrymple, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for watching. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. He is the one, the only, the iTunes guy himself. Guy, no, Kirk McElhern. So now you have an alias. You can put on a mask, a green mask, take the magic ring. And say, even a man who's pure in heart. No, that's a different one. Oh, the evil that men do. No, that's not the one. <laughs> ah, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men. The hearts men. of men. The, the shadow, shadow knows. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, next week on the Tech Night Out Live, we're going to have the guy from the Radio Classics radio show himself, Greg Bell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but Greg nope. Bell is the guy. It's on Sirius XM Satellite Radio in the United States. So you probably haven't. But he collects all these old radio shows, and he puts them on the air, and he gives you the history of the actors and how they were recorded and everything. And you get things like the original Superman, and of course, the Lone Ranger, the Green Hornet, Jack Benny on the radio, Gunsmoke. Mm -hmm. Of course, the guy who played Gunsmoke on the radio, for example, was William Conrad, rather a stout gentleman. So when they went to TV, even though they aired at the same time, on TV they got Jim Arness, who was six foot six and tall and thin. And on the other hand, sometimes you have the same people on the radio as on the TV, like Dragnet, Jack Webb. He created Dragnet, so he did Dragnet on the radio and also on TV with the same people. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So Greg Bell coming next week on the Tech Night Out Live. Okay, Kirk, we talked to you last week. I ragged on you, and I have to say I do rag on you occasionally because I like you. That's okay. You only rag on the people you like. Exactly. And I said, you know, Kirk, here's the thing. You were telling me that you got this digital analog 
converter box, very expensive mm-hmm. one from a famous British audio maker. And I said, okay, fine. And you said that you heard vast differences. And I said, fine, where's the ABX testing? Now, that's not easy to do when you have two samples that are separate from each other and you have to go through a lot of switching to be able to go from one to the other. Right. Because the original ABX hardware tester back in the 70s and 80s, it was a switch box. Yeah. So you plug in the audio signals and the computer would switch back and forth. But now there is an ABX tester app for the Mac, so maybe we could move it to the next level. Right, but this ABX tester app is for comparing music files, not for comparing one stereo setup with another. So you still have the problem of connecting if you want to test hardware. Sure. But yeah, before the show, we were discussing this, and we said, well, let's look and see if there's an app. And it turns out there's something called ABX Tester on the Mac App Store. It's a free app. It's made by Takashi Jogataki, obviously in Japan, or presumably in Japan. And the, the principle of an ABX test for audio is very simple. And it's actually very interesting. Um, as you know, since I write a lot about digital music, one of the big questions that comes up in digital music is what bit rate should you use for your files, what format, and things like that. And the only way to truly tell is to try different bit rates yourself in a blind test and see if, first of all, you can tell the difference. And second of all, if so, is there enough of a difference to make it worthwhile? Now, for example, you could use an uncompressed AIFF or WAV file, which is about 600 megabytes per hour. Or you could use a 256K AAC file, which is the format that Apple uses in the iTunes store, which comes, if I'm not mistaken, to about 80 megabytes per hour. So you have a big difference in storage space. Now, if you can't hear the difference between those two files, there's no point in using more space because you'll get less music on your your Mac, you'll get less music on your iPods, etc. This is something, I've done blind tests like this at random in the past without specific software. What I've done is I've put tracks in iTunes and I've labeled them all the same and then clicked the shuffle button like 10 times to, to get them mixed up. Then I've rated them and then I've shuffled again and again and again and re-rated them to try and figure it out. But with this software, you take two tracks and you go through five tests asking you, is this A or B? And presumably your A is going to be the highest resolution or the highest bit rate, and the B is going to be the lower. You and assume the set- that, but the key here is you no, don't you know. Choose, you choose how do you want to put them into the app. Right, but the way it works here is that you do not know what X is. It's testing X each time. So the computer, right. the you, algorithm in files, it, decides whether when you play a sample, it's going to be A or B. And because you don't know... The only choice you have here is to guess what you think is the better sound or the different sound. And usually it's a comparison of difference. Can you hear the difference between A and B? Before you quantify that difference, you have to say, well, if A and B are the same audibly, meaning that the results you get are no better than chance, then that means the difference is not worth a difference. If it's only slightly different, in other words, you only get a slight favoring of the higher resolution file, well, maybe the difference is so insignificant it's not worth bothering with. If it is significant, then it's worth reporting. So we're going to put you to the test, aren't we? 
And, and the significance comes in, in a number of different places. And I mentioned file size and things like that. Um, but the significance also could have something to do with the equipment you're using. Now, you may have a nice stereo in the living room, and you may be able to hear the difference there. If you connect your Mac to your stereo and play back the music, you might be able to hear a difference. But then when you put it on your iPod, you might not. So there's a lot of different variables here. You might have two sets of headphones. With one pair of headphones that are more expensive, you might hear a difference, and with a cheaper one, you might not. So again, the, the point here is to try and find what is the threshold at which the difference is noticeable and the difference is worthwhile. Um, worthwhile in space, worthwhile also in cost, because uh, you can a number of websites sell um, files in FLAC format or Apple lossless format or even high resolution formats more expensive than compressed files. So that's it. Is the difference worth a difference? And also, I guess we should help you devise a way of testing this digital analog converter to see reliably how much of a difference there really is or if there is a difference when put to the test. But that's going to be kind of difficult because it's a matter of switching. It's one level matching because the output level is going to be different. And you need a flexible way of switching between the inputs without you knowing that it's done. Right. And And the output level is going to be different, especially because um, going into the DAC, the digital audio converter, uses the optical output on my Mac. Going without the DAC would be using the analog output. Now, the optical output is not affected by the volume control on the Mac, whereas the analog one is. So you've got Unfortunately, the analog and the headphone output are the same output. Well, they're the same plug, so you can't just plug one into one plug and one into another. Um, Apple's devices, in fact, desktops and laptops, have both an analog and a digital output. Um, The digital is at the very end of the jack, and the plug that you plug in has fiber optics in it, so it's basically getting the light from it. Um, and the analog is on the sides. You know, you get the three little um, separations on the plug. So they have both in the same jack, and you can't just plug one plug in one jack and one in another. Right. You'd need maybe a Mac Pro you could work something on. I think they're still separate, aren't they? Um, the Mac, Pro, the Mac Pro? I'm not sure that they are separate, in fact. All right. Well, I have to look. It's been a couple of years since I looked at a Mac Pro, since I got rid of my last one. The point being here is that we're going to try to give you some real information here, and probably Kirk will do a story about it, which is, okay, if you want to get the best quality music, how far do you have to go to get it, and how good is Apple's 256K AAC format. And I guess compared to the CD, the easiest comparison is, okay, I can buy the CD version or I could buy the version online and the prices aren't going to be that much different. Obviously, I get the physical artwork with a CD. It's prettier to look at, but not as portable because, you know, I could take my iPhone, stick it in my pocket and have my music library wherever I go. A lot well, but more you can convenient. rip the CD. So sure. uh, the portability isn't isn't an issue. Uh, uh, well, I, I sure, think... but yeah, obviously, but the CD is something you can't take in your pocket. So you can I take can. it in your car, maybe, and that's fine. My car has a six CD I can put changer. I put it in my pocket. I just can't listen to it when it's in my pocket. That's right, and that's the point. <laughs> and you have to have a pretty fat pocket. So basically, the other way to do it, of course, is to moonlight as a clown. Then you have fat pockets, right? Isn't Good point. That... And you have a red nose. That's true which you may get a red nose after you try this test. I don't know. So we'll be talking about this in future weeks. 
ABX testing and Kirk McElhern. It's my fault. I made him do it. Don't blame him. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly sleep apnea expert who will answer all of your questions. Mention this ad for free shipping. Again, that's CPAP.com. CPAP.com. CPAP. Your money, your treatment, your choice. Extend your life with Extendovite. Extendovite is a seven-herb heart protection cocktail designed to support cardiovascular health, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. February is Heart Month, and we at Heart Drop 2000 are having our leap year sale with prices from five years ago. From February 1st to February 29th, you can purchase a four-month supply of either capsules or liquid for only $125, including shipping and handling, to help you help yourself. So call now to take advantage of this one-time offer. 
To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Okay, enough with ABX testing. With the iTunes guy himself, Kirk McElhern, this is something he'll report maybe on his site, maybe even Macworld. We'll have to get Jason Snell to accept that article. We'll personally lobby for you, Kirk. All right, let's move to the main subject this week, which is Mac OS 10.8. But Apple doesn't call it that, except if you look at the About box. It is all mountain lion all the time. Well, it's OS X Mountain Lion. We, right. we note that the Mac is pretty much gone except for the About box. They're really playing down the version number, which in a way makes sense because in, in two more versions, you're going to get to 10.10, and that doesn't look good. Actually, I think Apple would actually even have 10.10, 10.11. I've heard they're actually considering that. Well, that's a couple years down the road. I kind of think that they're going to try and go to names in the future, but you know, they're running out of cat names. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what's going to happen? Well, Bob Levitas says they got to have Bobcat. Bobcat's a good one. It is. It's probably the last one that's familiar and that's a good cat name. The thing is, as a number of people pointed out, the day that Apple introduced Mountain Lion, a Mountain Lion is also a Cougar, a Puma, and a Panther. I didn't realize that these were all the same animals. And since we've already had a Puma, Mac OS X Puma was 10.0, right? And then Panther was 10.3. They are basically reusing the same cat with a different name. A cat by any name is still a cat. Yeah. You know, you know what shocked me the most about this whole thing, and I think you felt the same, is that one Thursday, all of a sudden, Apple just drops this without any sort of event and keynote or anything. This is the new operating system. And the first thing I thought is, whoa, if a, new, if a preview of a new version of Mac OS X doesn't merit a keynote and an event and a presentation, then they got something big that they're keeping in store for their next presentation. Well, obviously, the next presentation is going to be the iPad 3. And so having this ready for release now, they wouldn't want to force people, especially the media, to have to fly out to California, say, three weeks apart. You know, it's one thing to say, come here on March 7th or whenever it's going to be. But what and that's a care? big expense, not just have two media events three weeks apart. That doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to see something more than just the iPod 3. I think we're going to see something more than just the iPad 3. Well, that's quite possible. I think one of the concerns I had in considerations here is, has the Mac become so unimportant that an operating system release, and this is a pretty major operating system release, is just a press release. It's just a release of the developer beta. But actually, there's more than that because a certain number of members of the press, mainstream media, Mac media, general tech media, they flew down to California or to New York for they a personal, personal, yeah. personal hands-on demonstration. This is, of course, when, what happened to Jim Dalrymple. Jim Dalrymple of The Loop, 
he lives in Nova Scotia, Canada. So he had to fly to New York to have a briefing with an Apple PR and product person. And when was the last time that Apple did this? Do you remember? Yeah, the Mac OS X public beta. Right. The Mac OS X public beta, which is what, 2000, September of 2000, yep. several weeks ahead of that, I was flown to Northern California, to San Francisco. I was working as a contributing editor for CNET at the time, mm-hmm. and I met with an Apple PR person. I had the option of taking home a Mac, and I said, nah, I don't want to carry that on the plane. They were going to give me the Cube. Oh, I was going was to a take cool a Mac. Cube for a few okay. weeks, and I said, no, I already have a fast Mac. I don't need a Cube. Yeah. Just give me the, the CD. Disc. This is yeah. before we had DVD media. Right. And he said, okay. So that's how I did it. This time, however, they gave the reporters a MacBook Air with Mountain Lion pre-installed. Yep. And that's how they got a copy about a week before the release. So they had the opportunity to work with it and write their stories. Right. So that to Apple may have been a better way. It was hands-on with the media, not just doing a presentation, but having them do the hands-on. Of course, if you weren't willing to fly to New York or California, forget about it. You couldn't do it. Yeah, I think most of the people who got the offer were willing to fly. Um, What's interesting is that these just weren't PR people. Um, What I read was Phil Schiller who was doing this in New York. So he was one of the people because they had several simultaneous demonstrations. So if you were lucky, you got Phil. Okay. I've had demonstrations from Phil. I like Phil. It's worth noting that we're in the post-Steve Jobs era and that Apple doing this, not only giving the information out in advance, which they've done. I know that Macworld's gotten certain Macs in advance um, to be able to write about them, but not things like an operating system um, and maybe some software. But to to do this in advance and personal presentations is showing a a different style of presenting products for Apple. It's a return to what they did. So, I mean, the previous demonstration flying us out to California, that was done under Steve Jobs' leadership. So it's not as if they didn't do that before. And maybe they felt here that just having a media event and forcing everyone to come would be less compelling than let the media have a week to work with the product and give their own viewpoints. Or maybe they were so confident of Mountain Lion and what it was going to do. I think more confident than Lion. I think Lion's implementation of iOS features was rather clumsy. Yeah, I, I, th- I agree with you that, that, that the ability of journalists to get this and instead of rushing out articles on the day of the presentation to have the time, if you look at Jason Snell's article in Macworld, um, it was extremely long and extremely detailed. Um, and that's an awful lot better than the kind of uh, the kind of reporting that we can do when we have to do it on the day of a, uh, an announcement. So, yeah, in some ways, this got the information out to the press in, in by extension to the general public um, a, a bit more efficiently. What, what I find interesting, you said that something earlier about Mac OS X not being important. What I find interesting here is you look at the number of iOS devices sold and you look at the number of people who are familiar with a certain number of things on iOS – And what Apple is doing is introducing more coherence between iOS and Mac OS X, or OS X, sorry. And it makes me think that they're trying to get more iOS users to buy Macs. And they're going to be able to tell them, well, if you know how to use iOS, you know 50% of what it is to use a Mac already. 
And I think the key here is consistency because Apple wants you to be able to move from device to device without having to go through a learning curve. And the biggest example right now is look the way Apple has modified their keyboards, their separate keyboards for desktop Macs, and made them function in terms of keyboard action virtually the same as the notebook keyboards. So this way, and this is one of the biggest problems, no other PC company does this, which is to make sure that if you're used to typing a certain way with a certain keyboard feel, and it's very significant, you know, one keyboard to another, the feel is very significant. And if you have to switch back and forth, it takes a while to be able to regain your accuracy because the way the keys react to the way you press them, all that takes a little bit of time so it hurts your productivity true what never hurts our productivity is to talk to kirk McElhern on the tech night out live the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here Remoter is your ultimate screen sharing app for your Mac. With Remoter, you can share the screen of a Mac or any VNC-enabled machine, even Windows and Linux. You can do all this and more with Remoter, the easy way to share screens on your computer. Remoter is just $10.99, but wait. Go to store.remoterlabs.com. That's store.remoterlabs.com. Use the coupon code TNO to get 20% off. That's TNO to get 20% off. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Have you ever seen a U.S. postage stamp featuring Abraham Lincoln, Ben Franklin, or George Washington? If you're into stamp collecting, you know it's a fun, affordable hobby. America's leading stamp dealer is the Mystic Stamp Company, and they want you to have their free 140-page color catalog. Go to mysticstampad.com, the website of the Mystic Stamp Company, serving stamp collectors since 1923. Mystic Stamp is well-known in the industry for its experience, superior customer service, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to 
M-Y-S-T-I-C-Stamp-A-D.com to request your free 140-page U.S. Stamp Color Catalog packed with collecting tips, special offers, color photos, and over 4,600 available stamps. Call 800-433-7811 or go to mysticstampad.com. That's 800-433-7811 and ask for your free U.S. Stamp Catalog or mysticstampad.com. Mystic Stamp Company, America's leading stamp dealer. Get over 6,000 preparedness items. Get you ready. That's what you'll find at GetReadySurvival.com. Over 6,000 preparedness items. And counting, because we're adding new items nearly every day. GetReadySurvival.com has it all. Small and family-sized tents, backpacks, sleeping bags, food supplies. Get yours at GetReadySurvival.com. Portable water filters, canteens and hydro packs, knives, axes, shovels, compasses, camouflage, and tactical gear, fire starters and ammunition. It's all at GetReadySurvival.com. How about first aid medical, emergency, or small personal survival kits? Get yours at GetReadySurvival.com. If you're not prepared or just semi-prepared, the place to get prepared now is GetReadySurvival.com. Got questions? Call 928-541-9723. That's 928-541-9723. Or go to GetReadySurvival.com. And remember, survival preparedness means living on your own terms. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. With Kirk McElhern, the Macworld iTunes guy, we're talking about the next version of Mac OS X called Mountain Lion. I was pointing out consistencies, how Apple now makes keyboards for desktops and notebooks with the same feel. So now Apple looks at OS X. They look at the iOS and say, okay, why do we call it address book on the Mac? And why do we call it contacts? Contacts on iOS. On iOS. Why not have it the same way? Why not have it as close as possible so that when you move from one to the other, you do not have to stop and think about it. You just get your work done. And that's it. The transparency, iCloud is especially for this, because if you could take an app and save a document in the cloud, and that's going to entail modifications of those apps, of course, and then go to your iPad and maybe do some editing of the document. Maybe you're not typing everything there. It's not as convenient to type. But then you go back to your Mac and you finish the work, and it's seamless, back and forth. Go from your notebook Mac, your MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, to your desktop Mac, and not have to think about the file system, unless you're offline, of course. Right. But the naming, as you said just a bit earlier, is kind of interesting. iOS is general, generally uses generic names. So you have calendar, stocks, weather, uh, contacts. Whereas OS X uses name names, address book, iCal, and things like that. Now, there's nothing in what Apple has on their website yet regarding whether iCal is going to be called calendar. There is the notes application, which reproduces what's currently a notes feature in mail, which, by the way, makes a lot more sense to me to have a separate application because I could never use it in mail. You've got reminders on both sides, messages is on both, well, we have a public beta of messages already for OS X. And as you said, iCloud, which is going to sort of link all of this together. Now, you may remember that Steve Jobs said something a few months before he died about how iCloud was really the, the sort of cornerstone of Apple's strategy in the future. And I think what we're seeing here is 
at least in a lot of what Apple's presented for Mountain Lion, this is all depending on iCloud. Now, I certainly hope iCloud works a little bit better than it's working for me now. My contacts will not sync to my iPhone. Whenever I make a change, they sync onto all my Macs, but not onto my iPhone. Um, My bookmarks won't sync. You know, we had these problems with MobileMe and .Mac before that, and iCloud is far from perfect. And if we're going to depend so much on iCloud, they've really got to get it right. Part of the problem is if you had a MobileMe account and then an Apple ID that you use for your iTunes purchases and everything, and it sort of depends on which options you select for each to get that to sync. I got it to sync by turning on and off things at random, and finally, I got it to work where the contact list on my iPhone is identical to the one on my Mac. But it's yeah, the problem it, of having the multiple Apple IDs. That's part of I it. I only had the one. I was only using the one ID. Okay. And in fact, I, I had some discussions with Joe Kissel, who wrote Take Control of iCloud, who's been on the show a number of times. Sure. And he was able to help me sort out to get the contacts to sync from one Mac to the other, which wasn't working either. But I still can't get them to sync onto my iPhone. Basically, to get it to update on my iPhone, I have to go into the settings, turn off contact syncing, and then turn it back on, and it copies the new stuff from iCloud. But it simply won't sync. You and have to hope that maybe Apple will address those bugs from Mountain Lion. Well, I think they should have been addressed already because iCloud is already important if you have multiple Apple devices. It's going to be more important when we move over to Mountain Lion, but Mountain Lion's coming out in a couple of months. They said in the summer, I would think it's very possible that it comes out a few weeks after the WWDC, which is in June, but they really need to get this straight. And believe me, I'm seeing an awful lot of people in forums uh, who have the same kind of problem with iCloud. With you know, some some of them's contacts, some of it's calendars, some of it's bookmarks, but it's it's not as smooth as it should be. I agree with that, and I think they need to make it more flexible. The problem with iCloud, of course, is all this stuff depends on you being online. I'll give you another example. We have Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper basically is a way that you can control apps that you put on your Mac in terms of installing and opening for the first time. You can either take what the default option is, which is only from the Mac App Store and by developers with the Apple ID certificate. The third option being anything, the first option being the Mac App Store. Okay, we understand that. Now, what Apple is doing, of course, in terms of opening apps that are possibly with a certificate that's been discontinued is you're getting an upgraded database from Apple, I guess every day. You're getting the security database, kind of what Apple did when they had the Mac Defender, Trojan Horse, where each day Apple sends They weren't updating them every day. They They were updating them as needed. Okay, whatever the point being, you were getting online updates, okay? I heard every day, but as needed. The point is, for an extended period of time, you're not online. What happens? What if you you can't be online? You always have to be near, with your MacBook Air, you have to be near a Wi-Fi hotspot or you have to be home. What if you're just typing somewhere in the woods? You go out camping. You have to look for a Wi-Fi connection or a cellular connection and get yourself a cellular Internet card. What do you do if you can't get online? If you can't get online, you're probably not going to be installing any apps either, right? Well, you may already have an app that you downloaded. You haven't had a chance to run it yet. That's very possible. One of the the problems with Gatekeeper is that this only applies to apps that are downloaded and only with certain applications. If you 
copy an app across from a network, an FTP server, right. if you copy it from a USB stick or an external hard drive, Gatekeeper doesn't do anything. It works with what's basically called a quarantine system that sets, just sets a little bit on the file that when you download it um, that says, hey, check me. This works with Safari and Mail and iChat. I'm pretty sure Firefox uses it as well. Other applications can, but don't have to use it. It's only really effective for the average user who doesn't get things in different ways. I mean, someone who downloads stuff from RapidShare or uses BitTorrent to download things, these applications aren't going to set the quarantine bit, and Gatekeeper is not going to be able to check them to see if they're safe or not. Well, here's part of the issue also. Remember that it only works for first launch. At first it only launch, works for first launch, yeah. Right. At first launch, it's going to either work or you have a chance to bypass it with a control click. You know, you control click on an application icon, you say, "Okay, open it anyway." Right. After that, it no longer functions. Now, right. if an application developer's certificate is revoked because they produce something with malware, does that prevent them from opening ever again on your Mac? No, because at first launch, it's resolved. After that, the application continues to work regardless, I assume. Well, let's, let's take an extreme example. Um, developer X makes an application that's totally banal. Let's say it's a to-do list. There's tons of to-do lists. And a lot of people install it. Developer X is, say, syncing this somehow to the internet or whatever. The application's accessing files on the internet. Once it's been approved, Developer X can take that application at a later point and download something malicious. There's nothing to stop that. Except, um, of course, that he will get his agreement with Apple revoked. It's going to prevent future copies from running unless everybody has the option to turn off all those warnings. It's also going to mean they can get pretty bad publicity. You know, Apple could release a list of developers who had their privileges revoked because of malware. Yeah, but people who are creating malware don't care about that. The same way that people create domains for uh, serving up malware or use email addresses for spam that are throwaway addresses, I think it's entirely possible um, that Apple can't do anything to validate a developer who pays the $99 to get a certificate, basically. Basically, it is one step in providing better security. It is not a panacea, cannot be a panacea. And the problem Apple has to weigh against is it's not just having something like this, but how much does it impact usability of your Mac? Because if it puts up too many roadblocks, it's going to cause worse problems. And we have a forum. Yes, we have a forum at the Tech Night Owl. We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins. A reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, 
A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include microplant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg.
We are exploring Gatekeeper, part of Mountain Lion, the next version of Mac OS X with Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The point I raised before we split for the break is that Gatekeeper is not a panacea. It's just another step in trying to provide you a more secure environment. Now, what's interesting to me, Kirk, is the fact that here we have Mountain Lion coming this summer sometime, anytime from, say, late June through September. Right. Okay. Now, we have apps that haven't even been updated for Lion yet. Yeah. And a lot of these aren't going to run at all under Mountain Lion for a number of reasons, which is always the case with, with a new version of an operating system. An- another thing is that, again, every new version of an OS moves ahead the sort of 50-yard line beyond which old machines aren't supported. I don't recall where I, there's a list on Apple's website of machines for which support will not exist. So you may have an Intel Mac that's five years ago and that can run Lion today, but that won't run Mountain Lion. I think um, the line of demarcation is roughly 2006 through 2008. So you could have a Mac that's maybe four years old, but because it has an older Intel integrated graphics processor, right, it's not going to work. If you right. have an Intel chip that's not 64-bit, can't boot into 64-bit mode, it won't work. So what Apple has done here is basically put this roughly four-year line of demarcation, four or five years. The older Macs, I'm thinking my son, has a 2008 black MacBook. It runs Lion. It's never going to run Mountain Lion. But Apple thinks, you know, by the time most people even get around to getting Mountain Lion, those machines will be close to five years old. That's enough. Well, actually, I just found the list. Some of them seem to be roughly the line seems to be around 2007 or 2008. Right. The original Mac Pro, for instance, won't run. And okay. that was 2006. The mid-2007 Mac Mini. So, yeah, we're, we're basically Macs that are 2008 X-Serves. Well, how many people bought X-Serves? You know, four three people. of them. Four people. Yeah. R- roughly 2007 looks to be the dividing line for consumers basically. So five years, I think, is fair. And the thing is here, bear in mind, Apple's sales curve for Macs has been going up, what, 20 to 30% a year. So a lot more Macs were sold per quarter from 2008 on than from 2007 and 2008. So we're talking about several million, but not nearly as many as you might expect. But then, you know, it comes to a point where Apple wants to add better graphics performance. They have the Game Center. They want to be able to make it easy for game developers on the iOS to bring their games to the Mac, and this is going to do it. If you could play the same game on an iPhone, on an iPod Touch, and on an iPad as on a Mac, that gives a much larger audience for those game publishers. You know what I really hope is that Game Center syncs your game results from one device to another? I got the impression that's what's going to happen. They don't say anything about it, but that would be really nice that whatever game you're playing, um, Angry Birds, you've got the same levels. Or if there's a Words for Friends, for instance, on the Mac, that you can open it on the Mac and be at the same place you are with your iPad version. I understand, but I think there's no choice in that. They'd have no choice but to allow that kind of syncing because that's the point. Why do you have Game Center? Well, you could start a game on your iPad, go to your Mac, go back to the iPad. Well, that doesn't work with um, Angry Birds, even on iOS, from one from iPhone to iPad, it doesn't sync. Yes, but remember right now that, you know, with the Game Center, they're going to have to make changes. 
Well, let's hope so. But I think, yeah, um, gaming is certainly one place that they're putting a lot of their resources. So, of course, this makes it a more credible platform. All in all, I think Mountain Lion, to me, looks like a more promising upgrade than Lion. I think Lion, for some people, was clumsy. A clumsy first attempt. Yeah, I agree. In fact, what what I'm seeing in Mountain Lion is that there's more of a logic to what at least what they've shown so far. But maybe this is in part because we have iOS devices and we see the relationship between these new apps on the Mac and what we have on iOS. So uh, in, in many ways, Lion was a sort of, you know, what, what's the term? The, the sort of third cousin type thing that came in to make some changes, but not much. Whereas here, they're bringing things that are familiar to us already. So we, we're not being, we're not surprised by anything. And it's not necessarily going to be a huge interface change. I mean, if you call iChat messages, you get extra capabilities, and obviously the look of the message window is different. But in the end, most of the things you do and the way you do them, what's well, the same? You can download messages now for Lion right. and get a chance to look at it. The changes in mail are very minor. You know, you have a VIP option, a few better ways of searching your message content, more convenient. Not much different. Right. Now, in terms of notification center, if you're used to growl and putting up those notices white on black in the upper right hand of your screen, it's not going to be altogether different. If you've used notification center on iOS device, on your iPhone and iPad, the interface is very, very close. Kiss and cousins. I mean, just yep. change because of differences in the way you display things on a Mac, you know, having badges in the dock and everything like that. So there are some differences, but not that major. So here you're easing the learning curve. And also what happens is in the end, Apple ties you into their ecosystem. So for now, if you're using a Mac and you're going to the iOS device and the key products you use from Apple are all the same. Yeah. One thing that I'd like to point out is AirPlay mirroring. Now, this is kind of interesting because what it basically means is if you have an Apple TV, that little $99 cube, you can mirror the screen on your Mac to your TV. There's there's a couple of reasons to do this. One is because you want a bigger display temporarily for a presentation or permanently because you just want to use a bigger display. But the other one is maybe you're playing a video on your Mac that you can't stream to the Apple TV device. Here, you're going to be streaming the video from the display as opposed to the video from the file. So videos, for instance, that iTunes doesn't support or QuickTime doesn't support. Seeing this makes me think that all these rumors about an Apple television set, that kind of Apple TV, may be wrong. That if Apple's making the ability to stream to the Apple TV, you'll know, we noticed that Tim Cook actually gave some numbers on sales of Apple TV. I think it was 3 million last year. That the Apple TV has gone from a quote unquote hobby to a device that they're now putting in the forefront. So it, I, I never really believed the whole thing about Apple making a television set. And it makes more sense for Apple to have a little device that connects to a Mac than to sell a, a TV set for I don't know, $1,500, $2,000. And also, if you embed all the functionality in Apple TV, you can hook it up to any TV and get the benefit of it. You don't need to have a special TV, unless Apple has something new, something totally yeah, different it, in terms of screen quality and everything else. But I don't think that's a place you can make money. I think the only way you make money there is to make it very high price. Like Bose has this video wave. 
It's a 46-inch LCD TV. Now, you can buy a 46-inch LCD TV for, what, $800? But you get it with Bose proprietary speakers, and it's $5,000. It used to be $5,400. Now it's like $5,000. That's insane. Yeah. I, I don't think Apple wants to go that high end. A- Apple computers have always been a, more expensive than Windows computers, always more expensive than the bottom of the Windows line, entry-level Windows computers. But when you compare spec for spec today, there's not that much of a difference. I don't think they want a TV set that's going to be 50% more than another TV set. Uh, I don't think it makes sense in the Apple sort of marketing logic. And also, a TV set is a huge device. It takes up a lot of space in Apple stores. And I'm not sure that it's really in their interest to devote. Imagine they have three different sizes because, you know, with TVs, you got to have more than one size. So that's taken up as much space in an Apple store as, I don't know, a couple of computers, a wall of software boxes or iPhone cases or whatever. Definitely means more display because normally you'll have like a 40-inch TV, a 50-inch TV, maybe a 60-inch for those who have bigger living rooms or large master bedrooms. It wouldn't make sense, and I just don't see it happening. I still think we're going to see an Apple TV version 3 with 1080p streaming, lots of capabilities, maybe even interface with your cable or satellite set-top box to provide Hmm. even a fuller control of your experience, your TV experience. would be real fascinating. I'm going to bet against that. I think we agree on the concept, but interfacing with cable, you have to understand that the United States is not the only country in the world, that most countries outside the United States don't use cable. They use satellite. Well, either satellite or DSL. I get TV over DSL. But the same difference is still using some kind of set-top box. Hey, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Well, they can come to my website, MacElhern.com, and you'll have a link on the show notes. They can go to Macworld and see tons of articles, including my new Ask the iTunes Guy column. And, you know, all over the place. Just and maybe an ABX up. test result soon. Kirk I'll get Mac- something on that soon, either on Macworld or on my own site. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Jin. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. A newcomer to the Tech Night Owl Live is Sean Captain. He is managing editor of Tech News Daily. 
which you can find at technewsdaily.com. Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, we're going to talk, obviously, this week about Mountain Lion. But before that, we know, Sean, that you've had a fair experience using Lion 10.7. So what was your reaction? I know it's been kind of controversial with Lion. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. There was so much praise, sort of the obligatory uh, Apple praise when it first came out. I'm not crazy about it. Um, I find that it slows down my system. Um, I see uh, what Mac users will recognize the term beach ball of death, sort of the uh, spinning wheel thing, yeah, that, you know, oh, yeah. working on something. Sure. And uh, I've this sort of been confirmed by people at the Genius Bar. I've uh, taken in now my second time I've taken in a laptop today. Them, and I had a couple people say, you know, one guy says he doesn't run it. He still runs the older version, Snow Leopard. And someone else, when she saw my operating system had been in the fact from the factory installed faulty, she said, "Oh yeah, that happens." So the suggestion here is that maybe you should have just cleaned it up and reinstalled Lion, or what? Well, it was yeah, it was a faulty installation from the factory, um, and and apparently they did that. They basically just wiped my system and uh, installed it again. But she said that she's seen it happen a couple times that there's some you know, potentially bugginess in the system that you know can can mess it up on the very fundamental level. So did you wipe it off and start again? Exactly. Okay. Yep. And how did that work? So far, it seems okay. But I still miss um, Snow Leopard, which apparently I can't install on newer systems. They won't let you. Um, so I was, I was sad about that because I really wanted to go back to the one I love. Yeah, Apple has it this way. When they release a new OS, just about anything built after that, it's probably impossible to install yeah. the older OS. It's not like, for example, with a Windows PC. If you don't like Windows 7 or Windows Vista, you can go back to XP in just about all cases, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes pretty much eternally um, backwards compatible, as, as they call it. Um, now, you know, I can appreciate why Apple's doing it. I mean, from their perspective, they're saying, hey, this operating system is better. It may be optimized for, you know, the newer system we have or the system is optimized for it. So I understand the philosophy. It's just that when something funky happens, um, you're kind of stuck waiting until they fix it. So you can understand the logic, but the logic doesn't help. If nothing is working properly, from Apple's standpoint, it makes it easier to make everything compatible and reduces support issues because if you have a strict number of computers that are supported and you know anything built after a certain date and time is going to be supported, you can worry about other stuff, not the support issues. Then again, Apple still has to fix the problems. Now, as it stands now, though, you've reinstalled everything. You're running 10.7.3, right? Okay, so everything is pretty well okay now, other than that you don't like Lion that much. Well, it's still a little sluggish. And, you know, a lot of people praise the way that it will restore exactly where you were when you restart it. opens all the windows, goes back to all the web pages you had and all that. A lot of times when I restart my system, it's because it's, it's gotten too many windows open. So if it opens everything up again, I'm kind of back where I started. Um, now, there is you can kind of check a checkbox to... Uh, stop that from happening. Right. Um, if you go to your Apple menu and you choose restart, right. and you have the option there to uncheck reopen windows when logging back in, so therefore you don't have to put up with that extra delay. And that's part of the slowness of the startup process. It's got a way to load all 26 applications that you have. And if yeah. you really wanted to open only four, there's no simple way to get around that except initially at the restart time. We understand that. What about the way Apple has tried to infuse some iOS elements 
Well, the, you know, actually, just one thing I want to mention about Mountain Lion because it, it addresses what we were talking about is I've noticed, at least in the you know the pre-release version that we're playing with, that checkbox is not checked about reopening all the windows. Um, so by default, you don't. That does not happen. And I'm curious if that was something that they you know took feedback on, or if it's just something that's going to get changed later on. We're not sure yet. Well, with Apple, you never know until it's finally released. But I rather suspect, based on the publicity avalanche from Apple, that what you see with Mountain Lion is mostly what you're going to get. There may be changes, but there'll be more low-level things, very minor. Yeah, it definitely looks pretty polished. I was surprised. Well, it's only four months or so or five months from release, so it better be polished. Right. Okay, so now looking over Mountain Lion, understanding that Lion made you kind of a skeptic about Apple's direction. Does Mountain Lion redeem Apple? Well, you know, I, I don't want to judge it by a version that obviously isn't finished, um, but I have to say, it, so far, it seems to run quite well. Um, you know, I've been playing with it for a few days, um, switched it over um, to being doing, you know, a lot of my work on it um, as my regular machine, and um, it seems good. I don't, so far, but again, you know, it's knocking on a lot of wood, but so far I don't see the, um, the issues I had with it being sluggish and, and crashing a lot, um, certainly considering that it's, you know, like I said, it's still being tweaked quite a bit. Well, I know for my workflow, I didn't do that. I installed it on a MacBook Pro, and I left my desktop Mac alone because I don't want to take that chance because mm-hmm. I can't, you know, have my workflow impacted, but I will start running those apps. And a lot of them are audio apps, audio editing apps because of the radio shows to see what happens and whether everything is clean and green, as they say. But Mm -hmm. if it is fine, maybe I will switch. Normally, though, with a pre-release Apple software, I kind of want to wait till very close to the final release before I commit it to production. Then I'm usually I okay. It on, my, on my main system, yeah, I, I, we have. Fortunately, they loaned us a system that has it running. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it on my main computer for a while. <laughs> now, one thing, in speaking parenthetically here, Apple's way of rolling out Mountain Lion goes back to the days of the original Mac OS X public beta. Don't know if you were covering Apple at that time, but then journalists were called to Apple. They were actually we had to fly to San Francisco get a briefing from Apple before we could try the public beta. And we got this ahead of the release, so at least at that point, we'd speak knowledgeably about it. Since then, Apple has had media events, but the media didn't get an advanced look except for a few carefully selected journalists who get the final release maybe a week earlier to write their stories, like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, that kind of thing. This time, Apple reverted to the earlier behavior. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting, and, and, you know, it's sort of like Kremlinology to try to figure out what's going on uh, at one infinite loop. Um, <laughs> I at, like you know, that phrase. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a couple of people have kicked around the idea, you know, maybe Tim Cook, who's now the CEO, maybe he has different philosophy than Steve Jobs. Because, um, obviously, Steve Jobs was incredibly concerned about, um, you know, keeping things private. Um, and, you know, for good or bad reasons, I don't want to judge, but, you know, he had that strategy. Um, and, and maybe Cook has a different way of looking at it, but, you know, it's too early to tell right now. But Yes, uh, because it is a return to a way that Apple's already presented Mac OS X releases. It's not new. It just hasn't been done in a while, and Steve Jobs was head then. And the other thing, of course, that you have to consider is that when the beta comes out, everybody is going to have news about it. No matter what you do, everyone's going to have news about it. So at least here, Apple has control 
over the message. Before, mm -hmm. if it's all just something that Apple has a media event for, and the only people that have actual copies are developers, they're going to control what goes out there. But if Apple gives the press a briefing and says, here it is, here is one of our computers with Mountain Lion installed, they have better control over the message, which kind of keeps with Apple's philosophy, don't you think? Well, yeah, and I think, you know, you know, Microsoft has been great about this, you know, making their operating system available, you know, say a half year or so before it's final. Um, and they make it available to everyone. Um, you can just download it. And, you know, that's a good way to debug it. You know, if you have, you know, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people or tens of thousands, you know, playing with it, you're going to learn a lot more than, you know, just having your engineers um, take a peek at it. So, um, yeah, but Apple sense. does release it to their developer community a month or maybe a year or so before the final release. So it's not as if that, it doesn't get out there. That, that is true. I just think Microsoft goes an extra step by, by saying anyone can have it, and it's free. You don't have to have a license to do it. Um, you know, it just started with Windows 7 and the whole, you know, Windows 7 was my idea kind of thing, um, you know, because they did, you know, look at what people were reporting and what they found with it. Um, of course, I it's a double-edged sword because it could also cause potential support problems from people who should not ever be running beta operating systems. We have Sean Captain of the Tech News Daily. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Say, wouldn't it be great if that computer keyboard sitting on your desk also worked with your iPhone? Sending a text message would be lightning fast. This is exactly the idea behind the Matthias One keyboard for iPhone and Mac. You just need to experience it once to see how incredibly fast and convenient it really is. It's also available for the PC and BlackBerry. Visit onekeyboard.com slash TNO. Once again, onekeyboard.com slash TNO. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Think the national debt is $15 trillion? Boston U economics professor Lawrence Kotlikoff astutely points out that after factoring in guarantees such as Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and defense expenditures, the national debt is closer to $211 trillion. Mathematically, this debt is not serviceable via taxation. And for politicians on Capitol Hill, default is not an option. So we can expect the Federal Reserve to monetize the shortfall, resulting in even more confiscation of our hard-earned savings via inflation. Hi, my name is Adam Miller with Midas Resources. In light of the MF Global Swindle, it is now more apparent than ever that our savings investments are not secure in the hands of traditional banking institutions overseen by government technocrats kept in their back pockets. Call me today at 800-686-2237, extension 148, to find out how you can protect your savings from confiscation with liquid, portable, and private precious metals. I'll even send you a booklet titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold to serve as a guide. That number again is 800-686-2237, extension 148. 800-686-2237, extension 148. Do you use a CPAP breathing device to help treat sleep apnea and prevent snoring? If so, you should know big insurance companies and government regulations can affect the way you buy sleep apnea equipment. They decide what devices you receive, when you get replacement equipment, and even what you pay. 
Why limit the quality of your treatment? Break away from institutionalized health care and shop where you set the sleep therapy standard. Shop at CPAP.com. See what? CPAP. It stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure. CPAP.com has the equipment you want in stock and ready to ship today. Visit CPAP.com to see all of your sleep apnea equipment options. Or call toll-free 1-855-SNORE-11. That's 1-855-766-7311 to speak with a friendly sleep apnea expert who will answer all of your questions. Mention this ad for free shipping. Again, that's CPAP.com. CPAP.com. CPAP. Your money, your treatment, your choice. Folks, Iran and the Mideast nuclear mess is already ballooning our gas prices. Whether you're struggling with food costs, which are being blown up by gas costs now, or know that when the Mideast showdown explodes, whatever food supply you have is all you'll get because of huge panic demand. eFoods Direct Family Packs are the answer. Now the most affordable best food is saving you up to 50% compared to other poor quality food companies. The new Alex Jones Quick Fix Family Pack save you so much money the savings from eating this food will actually help you pay your other bills. No matter what effect the Mideast crisis or the crashing economy have, you'll have food as delicious tonight as 25 years from now. Order now for 50% savings and free shipping on these affordable family packs. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Welcome back to Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We are talking Mountain Lion with Sean Captain, Managing Editor of Tech News Daily. And we're going to now ask the key questions. Okay, so your experiences with Mountain Lion are good. Did you find anything about it? understanding it is pre-release software that doesn't light your fire. Well, it's more the philosophy of Mountain Lion. I wonder if it's overhyped. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I just wonder, you know, how important, you know, these these new features are. Um, I personally don't use the reminders in, in uh, iOS 5, which runs on the mobile, so it didn't it didn't excite me that I had that. I mean, if you do, obviously, you know, it's 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 nice. Um, you know, I don't use the to-do list. I haven't in the past used the uh, Notepad app very much, although it is radically better um, and it actually is usable on the system. So it's sort of the philosophy of do you want it looking more like your iPad or doesn't that matter to you? But uh, I don't really see it as a problem. I just, it's like a, I just don't know if it's a big deal or not. I think Apple's philosophy here is to ease the movement back and forth between their platforms, mobile to desktop platform. And Apple has done this with their keyboards, you know. You get the Apple desktop keyboards, the Apple aluminum keyboard, and the keyboard feel is mostly the same as their notebooks very tightly integrated this way and this has always been a problem for me a little bit i don't know about you you go from the notebook and you have one keyboard feel then you go to your desktop different kind of keyboard takes a couple of minutes to kind of get used to it again but if the experience moving from gadget to gadget is the same it makes a smoother transition but it also helps keep people within the apple fold because you're already used to this stuff on the iOS. Maybe you don't use it. I'm not a reminder creator kind of person myself. But I know then if I go back to my desktop Mac and the applications are named the same and 
within the differences between desktop and mobile, they work the same, I feel more comfortable and more comfortable with Apple's environment. So I could see from a comfort standpoint and from a marketing standpoint, I understand it. No, I, I think the philosophy makes a lot of sense. Uh, Apple is, is incredibly user-friendly. I mean, you know, they all have their issues when something breaks, but uh, they're very user-friendly. They, they do try to create a really good experience. So, I, I, you know, it wasn't so much a criticism as just saying it doesn't light my fire, as, as I, I think you asked. Exactly. On the other hand, does it make you feel more comfortable than maybe Lion did. You know, you're not crazy about Lion. It's obvious. <laughs> Do you feel less not crazy about Mountain Lion? Well, I mean, the thing I don't like about Lion is it's buggy. I think it's a fine operating system, um, the design. And, you know, if Mountain Lion, you know, after using it for a while, if it turns out to not be buggy, then uh, I certainly like it better. I am mainly an Apple user, so I clearly like it a lot. Um, I, you know, and I want Apple to be good. It's just sometimes they have little problems, but it's nothing that's going to send me running to Windows. I'm going to ask you about that in a few minutes about Windows 8 and your brief exposure to the pre-release version. All right, looking at Mountain Lion, what is your favorite feature or features? Well, I do actually think that the... I think I, I misspoke before when I, I mentioned alerts. I actually do like the alerts. I like that you can just click on a, on a, a button way up in the upper right-hand corner and see what's coming up on your calendar. It's coming up, uh, you know, what mail that's come in. And what I really like about it is that it doesn't have to bother you. You know, you can decide what alerts you want to pop up. And I, in my case, I have nothing popping up. But anytime I want to just click that button, a uh, little panel slides over from the right side of the screen and I can get an overview of it. So I think that is a really nice unobtrusive way to kind of provide an overview of what's going on. Have you Another used thing, Growl, by the way? I, growl drives me crazy. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my personal style. I'm also not a big fan of instant messaging, personally, because I'm so easily distractible anyway that I don't need anything to help me <laughs> be more distracted. All right. So you're not instant messaging. I live and breathe instant messaging because I've trained most people not to bother me that way. Well, I, I suppose that, yeah, there's something to that as well. Right. So we understand that. In terms of any of the other stuff, any of it interests you? What about the possibilities of iCloud? iCloud has been controversial because, yeah, I guess it is better than the previous versions of Apple's online services, but still kind of screwy. Well, yeah, there's a lot of screwy things. I mean, it wasn't fully baked when they released it, which is usually an un-Apple thing to do. I mean, but not always. I mean, you mentioned the previous iteration, uh, MobileMe, which was catastrophic and sometimes wiped data off people's phones. So clearly, it's a lot slicker here. Um, you know, some things were annoying. You couldn't really sync data between, um, like, word processing apps, for example. Um, you had to go to a web page and download them from there and upload them from there, and it, it was it was obviously really clunky. You know, they've made a lot better now. Um, you know, Pages, for example, which is sort of their version of Word, is it doesn't quite have it in the version I have, but it's going to have built-in syncing. So uh, you can just see, you know, your app, your documents that are in the cloud right from the application. You don't have to go somewhere else and download it, upload it, those kinds of things. So I think they're starting to, you know, I think they felt that it was probably good enough to get out there, um, and especially because it was, you know, mainly for the mobile devices. Um, and then I think the PC aspect of it, um, or well, the Mac aspect of it, I think is getting, is getting better now. And one thing that I really like is that um, they're making um, – 
the service available to anyone creating an app. So it wouldn't be inconceivable you know, that someday you'd have Microsoft Office automatically syncing you know, documents, uh, you know, your mobile devices and, and on your, your computer. It's, it's not just an Apple-only thing. So I think that is going to save a lot of people emailing things to themselves and sticking things on thumb drives and all other kinds of you know, janky sort of ways of, of trying to synchronize documents. Well, one of the things here, of course, about any of the computer operating systems is file sharing is complex. I mean, for years, Windows, it's more complex, and the Mac, it's not that complex, but trying to explain all this has been difficult. By making it as seamless as possible, and certainly AirDrop does that as well for our local Mm -hmm. network, Apple is trying to get away. Of course, the problem is here is more and more Apple depends on your online presence. And the concern I have there is, okay, you're going out to the beach, and you're working on your MacBook Air, and you know you've got, you know, four hours battery life, whatever, and you have plenty of time to write something. But all this synchronization is for naught because you have no online access. There's no nearby Wi-Fi hotspot. Maybe you're out of the range of the cellular tower, so you can't get that little adapter, the USB adapter, to hook up mm-hmm. to your iPhone or something. What do you do? I mean, you have the cloud access to integrate your documents for backup of your documents. You have Gatekeeper, which is supposedly going to provide you with a warning or something if you try to open an app that maybe have a problem because Apple's already canceled the developer's certificate. How do you do that when you can't be online? Well... I mean, it's sort of a syncing process between devices, and, and that's something you know that's a little different with Apple is that they um, uh, they're not all cloud. Um, it's not like Google Docs, for example, where you know you can do a couple of things um, when you're offline, but you really can't use it fully. I mean, you know, something like you know, say Pages versus Google Docs, right? Um, you know, you've got an application on your computer um, versus something that's running in your browser. Um, and Apple, I think, is a little more conservative about the cloud. Um, obviously, they're making a big push with it now, but I still think they don't, uh, they're not living in the cloud. Um, as Their heads are not in the clouds. And by the way, this yeah. guy's heads are not in the cloud. This guy's head's not in the cloud either. He's Sean Captain, and he's coming from Tech News Daily to join the Tech Night Out Live this week. More on the other side. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack. of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack Attack. of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition.
So you're a maker of something. Woodcrafts, fishing lures, glass designs, jewelry, purses, perfumes, goat's milk soap. Whatever it is, you made it here in America. Now you're eager for people to buy your products right here locally. Instead of buying competing products made on the other side of the world, right? Then you need to check out localmakers.com. Support America. Buy and sell locally at localmakers.com doesn't matter if you're a home-based business or a major manufacturer. Localmakers.com offers an easy way to connect with customers within your local community as well as across the U.S. simply by entering a zip code. And there's no cost to join. So if you're a maker who needs buyers, go to localmakers.com and stock your products on one of our shelves. Localmakers.com. Promoting, preserving, and supporting your neighbor's manufacturing businesses. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma. MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent, boosts resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Do you know which 37 crucial food items are going to fly off the shelves when the next disaster hits? If you don't, you and your family may be without food and waiting in long food lines after a big disaster strikes. You would be surprised how many people don't have these food items right now. 123survivalplan.com has set up a For Patriots Only video with inside information on the 37 food items that will sell out first when the next disaster strikes. The video on 123survivalplan.com has crucial information you and your family need to prepare for any disaster, natural or man-made. And you won't have to be afraid of going hungry or being sent to a FEMA refugee camp. See the video that over one million other smart patriots have already seen in the last four months. Prepared now. Go to 123survivalplan.com and learn which 37 food items you should hoard. Easy to remember. 123survivalplan.com. Again, that's 123survivalplan.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Sean Captain, the managing editor of Tech News Daily. Go to technewsdaily.com to check out this stuff. And he's used Macs for years. We've been talking about his experiences with Lion, his experiences with Mountain Lion, about the cloud, and Apple trying to navigate everybody to the cloud. I mean, on the iOS, Sean, what I like is the fact that now I recently set up an iPhone 4S, and it was never necessary to hook it up to my Mac. I did everything in the cloud, even retrieved the backup of the previous phone. So within a short period of time, I was back running seamlessly, I mean, with very little adjustment. 
finally, right, because you could do so much of that with Android phones for years. Um, they pretty much started that way. I think everybody who has an Android phone was chuckling when, um, you know, they finally announced that capability for Apple, but, you know, I welcome it for sure. You know, having to plug something in is, is a surefire way to make sure you don't do it. Yeah, because this way, my wife, for example, uses an iPad, too, and she rarely syncs it, although she can sync it wirelessly. She just plugs the thing into the wall socket. She has an adapter for the wall socket. She charges it overnight, gets up the next day, and uses it. So very seldom does she really do an active sync with it. In my case, I charge it from my Mac, so it's not a big deal for my iPhone. But, you know, that's how it goes. We understand that. We understand that. That's the advantage of Android, except getting an operating system upgrade for your Android phone. Good luck. Indeed, you can wait a long time. Or ever. By the way, I wanted to ask you parenthetically, the new Android operating system, 4.0 Ice Cream Sandwich. The last I heard, the Samsung Galaxy Nexus, is it, was the first phone to be released with support for Ice Cream Sandwich, but no other Android phone support it yet? I'm not your authority on that. I know that the support is very, very limited right now. Um, and there's already, I think, some chatter about what the next version is going to be. Um, but I don't know the full roster of what has it right now. Sure. Well, I know that we talked to, of course, Abram Pilch about that. And that is, I guess, one of the shortcomings there. At least with Apple, you can always get your updates. So that's better. Now, the other yeah. issue, of course, is Gatekeeper, which is the security product that I mentioned earlier, where you have the three options, either just to download and use apps from the Mac App Store, from developers with that certificate ID, or anything you want. And I gather that the default's going to be in the middle. That's going to be with a developer ID and from the Mac App Store. Is Apple, in a subtle way or not so subtle way, saying that eventually all developers are going to have to move their products to the Mac App Store? Well, that's what people have been saying for a long time. Uh, you know, clearly it's always been that way on their mobile devices. And then, of course, then it's always a question of, you know, is this something nefarious or is this something that's going to serve consumers? You know, no crystal ball, ball here, so I don't know. But if you look at the, you know, the mobile tail wagging the PC or the computer dog more and more, um, it seems like that's a pretty likely thing to happen, or at least it's a very possible thing to happen. Uh, and, you know, from the consumer's point of view, it's probably a perfectly fine thing. Uh, you know, most people don't jailbreak their phone to install the kind of software. They just take whatever Apple says is safe. And, and you know, with a few exceptions, they're usually always, you know, safe and well-running apps. So I think there's probably a lot of demand for it. And then whether it's nefarious or not, I guess unless you're in the, the mind of the person who decided, I guess you can't really know. And the point being also that the profit margin Apple makes 30%. If you look at the standpoint of a software publisher, if they have a hard copy of their product with a physical DVD, physical documentation, the cost of doing that, dealing with two levels of distribution, which of course is a distributor and then going to the dealer, that 30% is not so expensive. And they don't have to pay for marketing. They don't have to deal with having the process payments. They just get their payment every month from Apple. No, that's a, there's a couple interesting points there. I mean, 
companies are going to move more and more to downloads anyway, um, and I think customers prefer that. I mean, I'd rather click a button than go out to the store. So I think those costs of distribution are going to go down anyway. Um, you know, you look at games, for example. Um, you know, it's kind of an, an, an analogy. You know, GameStop, which, you know, sells physical discs, is is in trouble because, you know, games are very downloaded um, kind of content, and I think all software is going to go that way. But, you know, the fact that what you said about marketing is pretty interesting. Um, you know, apps appearing in the App Store, I, I think it was Evernote, which is a sort of cloud-synced note-taking app. I think it took off once it got in the... Um, in the app store, you know, some kind of insiders, people who are kind of nerdy about that, you know, were using that app. But once it got that kind of exposure, it, it took off. So that may have well made up for, you know, the difference. And in fact, in that case, it's a free app, and then you you upgrade it, upgrade the service later. But even if it were a paid app, it might it might pay off. Uh, it might not. It takes an obscure app and mainstreams it. It can. It can. Mm-hmm. Now the other issue, of course, is that Apple wants to institute something called sandboxing which is a feature on the iOS that kind of walls off one application for another. But if you need to access system features or talk to another application, you get what Apple calls entitlements, which is nothing like what they're doing in Washington. The entitlement is kind of permission to access certain features like a file system or something like that or to launch another application. And the problem is that certain apps, as a result, haven't been able to get into the Mac App Store because they need those features, like a backup app. has got to talk to the file system to be able to access the files to copy them and to make mm-hmm. a duplicate of them. Or like you have apps that will record a Skype conversation both ways. How do you do that? You've got to talk to Skype or the other application. There has to be some inter-application communication that Apple has to support. And so this has been, I guess, kind of a fight between developers and Apple to create entitlements so they can be able to still have their products in the Mac App Store because the feeling is if it's in there, most people, especially new Mac users, most people, especially coming from the iOS or used to an App Store, they'll seldom look at the treasures that are not in the App Store. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, you're, you're meaning in terms of um, we're talking on Macs, right? What's in the App Store versus what you get somewhere else? Right. I mean, if you're used to downloading everything, you're an experienced Mac user, it's not a big deal. But you're one of those people who migrates to a Mac. Apple always says at the Apple Store, 50% of the people are new to the platform. A lot of those people are using iPhones or iPads, and they say, okay, we need a new computer. Let's get a Mac this time and certainly ask Meg Wickman over at HP. Their sales are down the dumps. They're in really deep trouble. Dell is not doing so well. But Apple is still selling more Macs every quarter. So it looks like some of those people are moving to Macs. So the key is here, if they've used another Apple product, they expect to see an App Store. That's part of the way they're trained. Their mindset is an App Store. So they'll more apps to look at the App Store to get something than elsewhere. So, in a sense, that coerces developers to find a way to work with Apple. That's, that's you know, a really interesting question. That uh, there could be a couple different things. I haven't seen a survey to see, uh, you know, or study to see exactly how people get the new systems, which would be fascinating. And if no one's commissioned that, someone please do, because I'd really like to see it. Um, it's, you know, clearly, you know, the the iPhone is the gateway drug. Actually, even more so, the i the iPod Touch, actually, which way outnumbers iPhones, um, but they're both the gateway drugs into Apple, and, and that's their experience. But on the other hand, if they're switching to Apple, they're you know, almost certainly coming from Windows. Um, Let me correct so, you there. The iPod Touch does not sell more on the iPhone anymore. 
It did not. How is that true? Not in recent years. No, remember the last quarter, Apple sold what thirty-seven million iPhones, and the number of iPods was a lot less than that. And then of the iPod, only half are the iPod touches. Well, there. I think there's still more iPod touches out there, but I'm not sure about the numbers on that. Okay. Okay. No, I appreciate that. Um, anyway, it, it, it certainly had been uh, a main gateway for people um, until recently, and. But if they're coming to Mac, they're probably coming, they're almost certainly coming from Windows, and Windows doesn't you know, currently have an App Store environment, so they might be pretty used to going out and finding things on the Internet um, and downloading them. So it's an interesting question. You know, I don't, I'm curious what's in their mind, whether they're um, adopting the whole Apple philosophy of an App Store or whether they're kind of using their, trying to use their Mac the way they use a Windows machine, but you know, they're hoping it's just going to be you know, a better version of that. Well, as I recall here with Windows 8, Microsoft is going to have an app store. So we're going to have to see how that works. Got one more segment to spend with Sean Captain. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Extend your life with Extendivite. Extendivite is a 7-herb heart protection cocktail designed to support cardiovascular health, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. February is Heart Month, and we at Heart Drop 2000 are having our leap year sale with prices from five years ago. From February 1st to February 29th, you can purchase a four-month supply of either capsules or liquid for only $125, including shipping and handling, to help you help yourself. So call now to take advantage of this one-time offer. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendo Listeners are discovering a simple way to earn money. We're talking quit your nowhere job and work from home type of money. Income at home 19.com has come to us for listeners who want to work from home. Listen to this. I have to 
tell you it's the best decision that I ever made because we replaced my income and my husband's income. This business has allowed us to quit our job and we're both at home full time and loving it. Best decision I ever made. Listeners, IncomeAtHome19.com is A-plus rated for their business ethics. They're affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and they do business in over 75 countries. No selling soap, no pressure, no cold calling. They bring money-making opportunities to your computer, either full or part-time. If you're ready to make a change and start earning money from home, go to IncomeAtHome19.com now. They're even giving away $1,000 to someone just for checking them out. Visit IncomeAtHome19.com. IncomeAtHome19.com. That's IncomeAtHome19.com. What if pain could be reduced, ailments could be alleviated, physical and mental stress could be eased, and blood circulation increased, all by simply lying down? Introducing the original Biomat. The Biomat is an FDA-registered medical device that combines deep, penetrating infrared space-age technology and revitalizing negative ions with the incredible healing power of amethyst crystals. A Biomat can boost your immune system, relieve pain and stiffness, reduce stress and fatigue, and assist in detoxifying your body. Join the thousands of people reporting relief from chronic pain, fibromyalgia, arthritis, sports injuries, insomnia, and much more. Each Biomat comes with a lifetime trade-in and three-year warranty. Learn more at bio mats.com spelled B-I-O dash M-A-T-S dot com or call 360-944-8692 that's 360-944-8692 visit bio-mats.com today and enhance your life with a biomat you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg You never know what's going to happen next. We have Sean Captain. He is the managing editor of the Tech News Daily at technewsdaily.com. I keep remembering that. And we're welcoming him for the first time on the Tech Night Out Live. We were looking at the Mac App Store, whether that's going to be the direction Apple's trying to push all developers. And the other question, though, is that this sandboxing, walled-off thing. Some security people say that as long as Apple has Gatekeeper as a means of protection, sandboxing doesn't provide that much more, and Apple keeps postponing it, so maybe they're rethinking it. Well, I mean, Apple lives by, you know, the software um, that runs, uh, especially on its mobile devices. I mean, you know, if, if the iPhone didn't take apps, it wouldn't be nearly as popular. So, I mean, they have to keep their developers happy to some extent anyway. They're pretty demanding, but, but they have to, they don't want to shut off the flow of apps and, and of upgrades. And they certainly want to have Adobe and Microsoft in there. I mean, Adobe already has product in the Mac App Store, kind of slimmed down versions of Premiere, actually. Mm-hmm and Photoshop elements, as a matter of fact, so we're going to have to see. All right, let's look at the ultimate comparison here, though. You, as I have, you've been running this early version of Windows 8, and we know, as I said, they're going to have a Windows App Store. Microsoft's going to do that. But looking at Windows 8, we look at the Metro interface, and I can ask you about that again later, but what else is there about Windows 8 that I need to know about, other than they're going to have a version running on mobile processors? Uh, well, I mean, I really think that Metro Interface is kind of the biggest thing. Um, you know, Windows, they're trying to look at sort of one operating system uh, to be on everything. It's, it's interesting because, you know, we're talking about, you know, Apple trying to create a unified experience, um, but they're still not, 
they're not exactly putting iOS on a laptop, right? Um, and I don't think they want to do that because they've said that they regard them as still separate in a lot of yeah, ways. Exactly. They, they recognize that they're different and there's different things you want to do when you have a keyboard than when you have a touchscreen. Whereas, but they can make so many features the same and they can make, allow things to synchronize so that, that you feel like you're in the same, same world. I think that it's, it's hard to, it's, it's kind of tricky. It, 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 people are so used to Windows, and it's changed a little bit over the years, but really ever since it went, it went graphical, and especially, um, you know, you got even Windows 95, it's been more or less the same kind of way of doing things. Uh, it's gotten, you know, spruced up, and it's gotten more bells and whistles, but it's the same kind of metaphor. Um, Basically, and, if I took a person from 1995 with Windows 95, and I took him to 2012, and said, here's a Windows PC, Basically, they'll figure it out pretty quickly because it's not that different. Yep, exactly. And, you know, same thing um, if you went from uh, OS X, um, you know, about a decade ago, um, the original version on a Mac, and you came to the current one, it, it wouldn't be radically different either. There would just be more things to click on. Um, so, you know, there's two arguments, right? The one is, hey, you know, life moves on. Um, and, you know, Apple's always done that. They said, we don't need a floppy drive. You know, we don't need, we don't need to have serial ports and parallel ports. And now maybe we don't even need a, uh, an optical drive. So, and if you look at the number of those MacBook Airs they've sold, maybe they're right. And now look what's happening on the Windows side. All those new Ultrabooks, a very large portion of them do not have optical drives as standard equipment. There's no way to put optical drives in them. You have to use them externally. Yeah, so, you know, it's certainly possible that something that you're really used to can be taken away and you don't mind it so much. Um, but I think the tricky thing with, with Windows 8 is you really, you know, there, in the past, there, you know, there'd been, you know, for example, you know, in, in the, in the start menu, you had the option, you know, to use the current one or switch to classic view. I think that was in Windows XP. And there's not really a way to switch to classic view, um, in, in, uh, Windows 8. So you kind of have to learn a new way of doing things and you can't be eased into it. Okay, so you're forced to Metro and you have to stick with it. Pretty much, yeah. You better get the hang of it quick. And the thing is, I mean, people ultimately will because, I mean, you know, all the new systems are going to have it, um, but they will probably be great quite a bit about it. Now, so basically with Windows 8, if I like Metro, I can't just turn it off or go beneath it and get back to the normal Windows stuff? You can get down back down to the desktop, but uh, you... Uh, there's no start menu um, anymore. You have to kind of go through the Metro um, interface, which, you know, looks, well, it really looks like the phone, the Windows phone interface. Um, I don't like it. And I'll tell you why I don't like it in a second. <laughs> well, tell me now. <laughs> okay, very simple. Very simple. It's bad design. It's bad design. Like you have a lot of these tiles in like a middle green with white lettering, therefore makes them very difficult to read. That's bad web design. Good point. Good point. I like the idea of it, but you know your 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 point is good. And sometimes you have so many tiles. You know, if you can have so many tiles that it can be you know unbelievable. On the same token, you can have so many screens and folders um, on uh, an iPhone that could be you know that could be an issue as well. But you know they're they're trying to make it a real unified experience. Um, you know your point well taken about the some of the design of it, but I, I do think it's 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 certainly good. I think it's certainly a good operating system on the on the phone. And the question is, um, will people be expecting that on a PC? But they won't be expecting it. Will they like it on a PC? And the other question um, is here, does Microsoft hope that by putting it on the PC and making users face this interface, they will somehow improve the sales picture of the Windows phone? It's not going anywhere now. 
good theory. Yeah, that's a very good possibility. Um, you know, I think if the Windows Phone had come out before Android took off, it would have been a real possibility. Um, I know using, I actually am an Android owner, um, but having used both, you know, I, if there were more apps, I'd love to have a Windows Phone. Um, but the fact is people are wedded to Android right now, you know, like it or not. <laughs> Android is sort of, ironically, Android is sort of the Windows of mobile phones uh, as opposed to Windows being the Windows of mobile phones. Who could have thunk it? Who could have thunk the fact that Apple in the last quarter earned more revenue just from the iPhone than all of Microsoft in the same quarter? Yeah, certainly not uh, 10, 12 years ago, for sure. You kind of expected, you know, 15 years ago there would be no Apple. Exactly, yeah. But you were talking about um, fun buying Apple. <laughs> right. I remember they were trying to find ways to sell it off. And as a matter of fact, some of the immediate predecessors of Steve Jobs, before he returned and took it over, they were basically looking to keep the thing running until they could sell it off to somebody. And you know that there might have been an Apple name today, but it would be nothing like what you expect. Like, for example, if you remember in the old days... I'm a big radio fan because of the business I'm in. In the old days, you had Emerson Radio, some of the best radios I ever owned when I was a kid. Emerson. But the Emerson today is just a name that somebody bought, and they stick it on products. Sure, just like Polaroid, yeah. Right, look what happened to Polaroid. Down the dumps. It's a matter of fact, in many ways, Steve Jobs emulated Polaroid in the way they rolled out their key products in the early days with these special events and everything. Mm -hmm. Isn't that fascinating? But the key, I guess, is here if we look at Windows 8. And this kind of interface is very consumer-oriented. Businesses, I don't think, are going to embrace it right away. Do you think Microsoft can get a big uptake on this, or have they gone too far in the wrong direction? Well, you know, the question always is, like, do I need to upgrade? Um, and I don't think you need to upgrade. Um, you know, you'll get it on new PCs, so eventually everyone's going to have it. But are people going to run out and buy it? Um, no, I mean, people are still using Windows XP, um, which is, what, like 10 or over 10 years old. Um, and as a matter of fact, and- almost half the PCs out there are using Windows XP, although it's dropping quite a bit. Yeah, and I got to say, it's actually a pretty user-friendly um, operating system. Um, you know, obviously, you know what some of what's followed um, from Microsoft has been so popular, and people they like it. It works well. So if you look at the way people have been using Windows, they've been more likely to hang on to the old interface and even embrace the current one. And then for people to go to something that's radically different, it's quite a stretch. And you have to wonder here. Maybe a lot of people will buy new computers with Windows 8. And they'll put Windows 7 back on it. Why do I need this? I don't want this. That would be a bad thing for Microsoft because, obviously, Microsoft wants people to embrace Metro, although I wonder why do you take an interface that came from failed products like the Zune and Windows Phone and bring it over to your operating system? You know, you're going to keep banging at it, banging at it before it comes out. Time will tell. Sean Captain, tell our listeners where they can get more of what you do. You can get it at technewsdaily.com. Our goal is to cover tech for smart people, but not overwhelm them with acronyms and numbers. And we don't try to overwhelm you either. Go to technightowl.com for my stuff. It's technightowl at Twitter. And we have that other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. All sorts of wild stuff on the Paracast at paracast.com. That's paracast.com. Sean Captain, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. My pleasure.
The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.